0: Hey, everybody, it's episode 32 of the Rocktown Sports Podcast. uh, Rockingham County's only all-local sports podcast. That's what I tell people, and they tend to believe me. We're bringing in, we're starting today with Shane Metlin. Uh, You know him as a JMU basketball beat writer, but hey, guess what? During the fall, he's got himself a football beat, and that's Bridgewater College Football. Shane, thanks for joining us today. No problem. Good to be here. Uh, I mean, I guess the news here is... uh, you know, Bridgewater College uh, opens at home on, uh, well, they opened at home on Friday against uh, what's become a nice little, uh, you know, early season rival for them in Gettysburg, the Bullets. We went over the Bullets last week and what we thought about that nickname. Uh, the Eagles pick up a 41-10 to non-conference home win to start the season. Uh, emotional, I'm sure, with the 2001 Stag Bowl uh, mm-hmm. team there is a team of distinction. Uh, so you saw a bunch of older, some of the older guys, including uh, a quarterback from back in the glory days when Stonewall Jackson was winning football games, and Jason Lutz, who was a, a local guy that went out there and, and did some good work for him. I guess real quick, what was that like seeing all those old time? Well, I mean, figure you know, relatively speaking, old-timers out yeah, there.
1: Yeah, they're the same age as me, so I shouldn't <laughs> say they're too old. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, they, they were having a good time. They enjoyed themselves. They saw their alma mater, you know really kick butt against the Gettysburg team that was overmatched on both sides of the ball, really, Um, which, you know, this early in the season you're trying to figure out if that means that Gettysburg is just overmatched at this level or if Bridgewater is going to be a pretty darn good football team or maybe a combination of the two at this point. I was going to ask, I mean, is is that a 50-50 thing maybe? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, Gettysburg is down, here the last couple of years, and, you know, they're kind of working some things out. They were trying people in different positions, things like that. But you look at what Bridgewater was doing on the field, and they were getting to the ball fast. They were hitting hard. They were making crisp passes on offense, Jace Scroggins. They were hitting the holes with their running backs. They were doing all the things that good football teams do, regardless of the competition that you see. So I think that bodes well for them this Going forward this season, they just looked a lot more seasoned than they did at this point a year ago.
0: They looked more seasoned this season, yes. Uh, so far, <laughs> yes. uh, I, I think the big thing that jumped out to me, and we'll talk about defense here in a bit because we got some decent defensive stats. Uh, as you would expect when you have the, the only uh Division Three All American in the ODAC on your team and Rashawn Myers, uh, which Bridgewater does. Uh, that second quarter, Bridgewater held the ball for 10 minutes. I mean, that's just that, that's just offensive domination. Is that a running game, and what 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 led to that kind of thing?
1: The the running game was solid. It wasn't maybe even as good as what we saw at times last year, but they were they were moving the ball on offense. But really, a big part of it was just that the defense either took it away or forced a three and out quickly in the, in that first half, especially. You know, they were getting some turnovers and um their their punter. A uh, guy's been a new punter this year. He looked like an All-American. <laughs> he talked about Sean <laughs> Myers being All-American. I mean, he was, you know, booting the ball. He had three of them down inside the five-yard line. And, you know, uh, sitting up there in a press box near the Gettysburg coaches, and they're watching those punts sail in the air. They're like, okay, okay, t- touch back, touch back. And it hits and it bounces sideways, and he just had a real knack for. Boss, oh, so he
0: was ca- he was coughing cornering him, yes, huh? Yes,
1: he 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 was really really doing an amazing job, and you know, in that kind of a blowout game, doesn't get talked about as much. But that's going to be a weapon down the line, potentially, when they start getting into some closer games, ODAC games, and probably even this coming week against Stevenson.
0: Yeah, man, flipping the field's got to be nice I, with a punter like that. Goodness gracious. Uh, on the defensive side, I think uh, Rashawn Myers, the aforementioned uh, Division 3 All-American, the only one in the ODAC uh, preseason-wise, uh, nine tackles, uh, eight of the solo variety, uh, two quarterback hurries, and a sack. I mean, it kind of looked like he did what he was supposed to do, and it looked like he opened up some holes for other defenders to jump in and do what they were supposed to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, like we talked about last week, he's going to get his numbers He's not going to have 20 tackles in a game just because the opposing team knows exactly where he is on the field at all times, and they're trying, attempting to double-team him at times and things. And But, you know, he had a real good game statistically. And like you said, he makes it easier on their DBs to other linebackers. And, you know, they got uh, Malik Crow back this year, who sat out all last year with an injury, who's a 325-pound defensive tackle who really – draws a lot of attention, takes up a lot of space, sometimes needs two guys to block him. Uh, When you just look at the defense, you know, all 11 guys on the field are doing their jobs and have a lot of speed, have a lot of size, have a lot of talent for this D3 level. The defense was – incredibly impressive, and like you said, it, it starts with Rayshon Myers and kind of trickles from there. Uh,
0: I mean, just, it looks like the, it, you know, Bridgewater, or excuse me, uh, Gettysburg got their yards, uh, I think they were up to about 336 total yards uh, for the game, but I mean, defensively, what what stood out for, over oh, here, look at this, Gary Gary Ramey Jr. listening to be the main benefactor. Of uh, Rayshon Myers' play, Ramy Junior with nine tackles of his, total tackles of his own, one and a half sacks, and also two quarterback hurries. Is it one and a half sacks, or is it still pos- uh, singular one and a half sack?
1: I, I guess it would be plural. Okay, I think
0: yeah, okay. twenty two. You're you're the
1: other. You should know this one,
0: uh. <laughs> Don't call me out here. Uh, Four solo tackles, five assists. He had uh, one and a half tackles for loss for a loss of 22 yards. I mean, you know, Gary Ramey Jr. looked like he really had himself a heck of a football game out there.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, Coach Michael Clark was expecting him to have a big year. He had a good year last year. I think he's expecting him to have a big year this year. When you go, uh, you know, whether it's me or T.J. Ack from the TV station – Show up to practice. He's a guy who we're told, oh, you should talk to Gary because I think they're expecting him to be a big year. He's also a very well spoken kid, a very smart kid, um, says a lot of interesting things. But
0: well, that helps you out as a reporter, yeah, doesn't? it?
1: Yeah, but like you know, when the coaches are kind of you know telling you this is a guy you should be talking to, is be- usually because they think that he's going to say the right things, but they also think this is a guy who's going to be an important player on our team, and you know he was kind of pushed upon the media here in the preseason and you kind of see why because he's you know a really good player
0: is 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 he benefit- is he you know taking advantage of what rashaw's given him there it looks like i mean that that does i don't think that you know i don't know does that hap' there's does, does nine tackles you know two quarterback curries one and a half sacks does that happen happen when all on the
1: field you know it's hard to say you know maybe he steps up and makes even more plays because he might be the main guy on the field if not for rashaw Myers but you know, you look at that defense. You look at Rayshon Myers in the middle of the linebacker. You look at Malik Crow in the middle on the defensive line. That's two guys that require three to four guys to block almost every play.
0: That's good. That's a killer for <laughs> offensive line. <laughs> yeah, really. Right. I mean,
1: that's that's really the truth. Like when you look at, you know, that team. You know, there's there was a possession, a play that doesn't show up in the stat sheet, um, but Malik Crow pushed two guys. Push the center in a tackle, all the way back to the quarterback. <laughs> Hit the quarterback after the ball was gone, and you know it was an incomplete pass. Didn't show up in the stat sheet at all. But that was in Gettysburg's head. Like from then on, that like we blocked this guy and he still got to us. What like, what what
0: I like here about Malik is he doesn't have a, a single tackle logged for the game, but three quarterback hurries. I mean, he yeah. was in the quarterback's face three times. Yeah,
1: he's just a presence out there. Like he's a big guy. They put him on the uh, punt team. I am waiting. This is not any inside information. I haven't even asked Michael Clark about this, but I am just waiting for him to get a snap as an up back on a punt and go uh, barreling through the line on a fourth and one or something. Is that
0: a lu- is that a lukewarm take you're giving us here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have no inside information that that kind of trick play is going to happen, but just seeing him as an up back on that, I'm just waiting for that to happen because, like, you got to do some sort of, you know, it's 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 Frigery Perry out there. Very nice. My Chicago Bear <laughs> boss here.
0: <laughs> I remember those days. I'm sure they're going to drag him out again this week down to the 85 Bears team, which they seem to do three times a year. Uh, uh, Cameron Gies- Geisman is that punter. Six yes. punts, 231 yards, a 38.5 average, had a long of 46, and dropped three inside the 20.
1: Yeah, and the average is not... Super impressive because he was dropping some of those in the 20 yeah. he could he could kick it over forty yards every time if he wants to. Like, I mean, he's got a leg and, you know, um, he he apparently won that job for a reason. Like, I was super impressed. But so I, I told you know Michael Clark when I interviewed him after the game, I don't think I'm going to squeeze him into my game story because so much happened. But I got to ask you about your punter because he just had like, <laughs> such a good. Game.
0: I'm trying to f- find out where he's out of, uh, and I can't see him on the roster. So uh, I want to
1: say he was a Northern Virginia guy. Okay,
0: yeah, he's got sure. a Michael Clark's got a ton of Nova guys here. You got yeah. Colonial Forge, you got Annandale, you got uh, yeah, he's got a a, mm-hmm. a a good crop of Northern Virginia guys. Uh, offensively, uh, you know, I guess we shouldn't be surprised anymore. Since so it seems like we've been covering quarterback Jay Scroggins for seven years now, though it's only been. Uh, five he's a 50- year senior. 14 for 20, 14 to 22, 206 yards passing, three touchdown passes. Two of those went to or excuse me, one of those went to running back, Jared Denham, uh, who had a 41-yard touchdown catch. but I mean, I think the story here is uh, Jared Denham's uh, rollicking stat line, two carries, 107 yards, two scores. Yeah. that's efficient.
1: And everybody I talk to after that game, was so happy for him because that's a guy who's been on the team and hasn't really gotten a ton of playing time for three years. And first game of his senior year, he's not even getting a ton of touches, but he took such advantage of every opportunity he had, um, got into the open field, showed some speed. Um, and he's a guy, I think, you know, you look at what Bridgewater has done offensively here the last couple of years, last year and then this year. They've had to get kind of creative on offense just because of the personnel. Um, They do a lot of things. You know, jet sweeps with the uh, ends and split ends and wide receivers coming around. And Denham's a guy who he might even be listed as a wide receiver on the roster. He's got the running back number because he's played that position too. They might stick him in the slot. They might hand the ball off to him in the backfield, but they might have him kind of doing the end around round type things. They're going to have him out running out patterns. They're going to use him in a lot of different ways, which is something they've just done a really good job of getting creative of how to use their personnel on offense the last year or so.
0: I guess when you're looking at a guy who's uh, averaging uh, 53.5 yards a carry, you got asked the, the obvious question. I know every year it seems like uh, – Michael Clark is always worried about his offensive line. He gives us the, you know, hey, I can't go on the waiver wire and find guys to fill my offensive line. You know, the transfer portal isn't filled with guys looking to come down in Division III uh, to fill an offensive line. I mean, how much of that is, was, was denim and how much of that was maybe this offensive line might be in, in decent shape than maybe was in better shape than was expected to come into the season?
1: Some of both. I mean, Denham is a guy who, once he got around the corner or once was he got goodbye. behind the secondary on the pass plays, yeah, he was gone. I mean, they're not catching him. But they also had some nice holes open. They had really good protection for Jay Scroggins. Um, you know, as much as Clark talks about, you know, the offensive line wanting more depth, I think he's got to feel pretty good about his starters in that thing. I mean, if they have a guy or two go down. It might be a totally different situation, but – They've got some guys who play, played. they got some guys with size who are there lining up, you know, <clears throat> right now. So as long as they stay healthy, I think they're feeling about as good as they can about the offensive line.
0: you gotta, you got to admire the, 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 excuse my Yiddish, the chutzpah uh, of, of Bridgewater for what they did Friday night. I mean, or excuse me, Saturday night. Uh, they bring this team's distinction back to guarantee a, a pretty large crowd, which I'm assuming it was. It was yeah, a it decent was a nice crowd. crowd, especially
1: considering the JMU game was going on at the same time. And right
0: down the road. And, and, and that, you know, here's a team that has probably got the most preseason hype than since that era, you know, not necessarily the 2001 season, but I mean, that era of, uh, I guess you can call it the, the, the golden years of Bridgewater football. Yeah. I mean, that was a 2000 good
1: 2000 to 2005. They were the team in the OJ yeah. that was you know, expected to win and did win championship
0: every year. And that would be a good move. I mean, to bring that, you know, to open up a, a, against a, a good, with developing a good rival the past five, six years, uh, mm-hmm. seasonal, early season rival, to bring back this team of distinction and all these, these guys and to bring back all their families and to bring back everyone that of this team, uh, into this huge celebration, and here you are opening your season under the lights, which doesn't happen often. Yeah,
1: with a brand-new scoreboard, with a video board. Yeah, exactly. The, the Michael and Sharon Clark scoreboard. I mean, there was a lot of ceremony and um, celebration going on around this game that the team kind of had to back up. On the yeah, and they
0: didn't disappoint. Yeah. I mean, 41-0, or 41-10, excuse me, that's a that's a good way to start your Division Three football season.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've covered enough high school football that we've all been to those homecoming games where the home team gets murdered and, yeah. and, and, you know, it's not a fun situation for anybody. And they, you know, didn't let this kind of thing happen. Were
0: there blooming onions, yeah. I guess is the question. Were there blooming onions out there Saturday You
1: know, they... They bring uh, some pizza up to the press box. I, I didn't check out the concessions. Okay.
0: To be uh, uh, Stevenson's coming up next is a team that, uh, I, you know, didn't win handily, but I think won by two touchdowns, uh, beat Bridgewater by two touch- touchdowns in Bridgewater last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, this coming Saturday, uh, the Eagles, in uh, in the second game of Michael Clark's 25th season, head up to Maryland to face them. Uh, you know, what is, what is this? Bridgewater team got to do to keep this momentum going and keep people talking about them? Because even now I think even, you know, a loss now kind of might have people oh, well maybe we we overdid Bridgewater in the ODAK you know, they should went up there and won, blah blah blah. I mean, what do they need to do to go into this ODAC schedule the upcoming ODAK schedule, riding an undefeated you know, slate and, and to really, you know, keep the hype going.
1: it's probably going to need to run the ball a little more consistently this week than they did last week. They you know, had some big pass plays, and they had a big running play with the 93-yard yard touchdown. They're probably going to want to see, you know, uh, Demetrius Gileppe's, you know, carry a little more successfully than he did last year. He was week. a little quiet last year. Yeah, week. yeah. I mean, part of that was just, you know, the big plays. He didn't get a ton of carries. He got some, but, you know, for a guy who averaged five yards a carry last year, he wasn't, you know, getting those chunks of yardage this, time. this year, you know. Through one game. He also didn't get a lot, ton of reps in the preseason, so maybe that's part of it. That's
0: right. He had a nagging injury, Yeah, but,
1: but they're going to want to, I think, you know, as much as they controlled the time possession in the first half against Gettysburg, it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge, and you're going to have to do it a little more conventionally against Stevenson, I'm sure. Because that's, that's a program that's been a very solid program up there in the Centennial Conference. They've had some playoff seasons here recently. You know, they're always, you know, competitor up there in the – teams, again, you know, the Maryland, Southern Pennsylvania type of... They're going to be a much stiffer challenge than Gettysburg, but that was a fairly competitive game last year, despite some turnovers on um, <clears throat> on Bridgewater's part, so, you know, this might be... oh, Even if they don't come away with a victory, which I think they have a shot to do, seeing them play well against a good team is probably just something that can kind of, like, prove or you know, back up the hype
0: that, and the expectations that Bridgewater has seen here in the preseason. Stevenson won at Curry uh, this past Saturday, 34-0. Uh, they had uh, 344 total yards of offense and allowed 203 yards, uh, including just 66 rushing yards. So it looks like they got a pretty stout defense.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and they're the Mustangs, So a little better than the Bullets. I, li- I like the Mustangs. That's a yeah. good, That's a good nickname. And they're like some sort of olive green color, so that should be interesting. Yes,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, let's let's switch gears real quick. Uh, you got your Athlon Magazine. Yes. And uh, Matt Lewis and uh, James Madison's Matt Lewis is a, despite 16.4 points per game last year, is picked as a second team all CAA uh, preseason. How does Matt Lewis translate? How, what, you're Matt Lewis. What do you think when you see this?
1: He'll, he'll use that as some motivation, I'm sure. He's a... Uh... Fourth leading scorer returning in the conference, I think. So, you know, I would assume I'll be getting uh, my ballot in the email inbox here relatively soon. I got about this time last year. I'll probably put him on my first team. Um, You know, there are a few guys that are kind of no-brainers, but as that fifth guy, um, Athlon had Jordan Rowland from Northeastern. I would probably put Matt as my fifth guy on the first team. Uh, But... Athlon had Bat Lewis and Darius Banks on the second team, which I think is, you know, fair and a good indication of the kind of talent that JMU has coming back this year and especially and they're gonna kinda lean on those uh veteran junior guards in the backcourt who have, you know, been playing 30 minutes a game since they were
0: freshmen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now, now's the time, right? I mean, yeah. to, to see what these guys can do. So you were fine with the. I mean, there wasn't anyone on there. you just like any of the other five guys. Like, oh, seriously? You put him on other than, than, than Lewis? Or is it. I mean, were you.
1: It's not egregious, but just looking at that, it jumped out to me that he wasn't on the first team. And I'm sure if. Uh, Matt has the Barnes and Noble like I did and picks up the magazine. It'll jump out to him, too.
0: <laughs> where do they got JMU finishing this year, the men?
1: Uh, fifth in that one. How do
0: you feel? But where are you, where you, where, where you at on that one? I mean, are you fine with that? Is that, 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 is that feasible? Is that, that doable?
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, especially, I don't know if they got this info when they put their magazine together because of early deadlines and everything, but you look at what Delaware was picked fourth, just ahead of JMU, did it on their trip to Bahamas and some of the newcomers they have coming in who looked really good on their uh, overseas trip, then I think, you know, that makes sense to kind of put them as a fourth team. And then you look at the coaches in this league, you, you just don't bet against Earl Grant, Joe Mahalik at Pastra, and uh, Bill Cohen at Northeastern, and that's, you know, the top three teams. And, you know, when it's sort of kind of wide open as far as, you know, talent and players and everything – you can't really uh, argue with going with those three coaches who have proven it year in, year out. Is
0: there is there a happy place for, for Lewis Rowe and, and Madison this year? I mean, is there somewhere where that's, you know they finish and, and they should be happy with that, or is it just all just straight a or are we all basing this on CAA tournament?
1: I mean, it's situational, because we don't know exactly how good a lot of these teams in the CAA are going to be. Um, you know, we don't know, <clears throat> really, like... If we get into the season and, you know, it looks like they've just fallen apart at some point or they go on some long losing streaks and just don't play well like they did at times last year, then that's disappointing because this is going to be something of a veteran team. They're going to rely on some freshmen but, and, you know, a redshirt freshman. But it's a team that's got four guys who have played at this level and shown they can play at this level. Together, too. Yeah. And so there's going to be, you're going to expect some consistency. Um, it's hard to look at the schedule, though, and just say, like, well, they got to win 20 games, you know, or 25 or 17 or any picket. It's hard to pick a number and say this is what they've got to do. But I would think a winning record and a winning record in a conference is a reasonable goal and a reasonable expectation. And, you know, something that <clears throat> they do that, and then, you know, I just, we're talking about the Athlon magazine, just reading it. They quoted Joe Mihalik from Hofstra saying, you know, he wouldn't be surprised if there's a four way tie for first because, you know, so many teams could go 12 and 6. You know, if that happens, they could be one of those teams. They really could. And, you know, you kind of wait and see. And then, you know, you mentioned the CAA tournament. That's the that's the tough thing about being a mid major coach, man. I mean, is like you you go through that whole season and then you so win- much of it comes down to three days. Yeah. And,
0: and and it's the first year it's up in DC. Yeah. That's and that, that they make you know, that's gonna that's gonna help a lot of schools. I mean, this isn't just mm-hmm. a this is just gonna help JMU because there's a lot of schools within a you know, hour and a half, two hour drive oh, of, yeah. of this or, venue.
1: Or it's a lot easier to get a hop on a Plane or a train from Long Island to get to DC, yeah. and it is in Charleston. Like,
0: yeah, exactly. It
1: really is.
0: And, but it will you, know, you it will you you will you will see more fans there, and yeah. and when you're seeing more fans, you probably will see more JMU fans because DC is a JMU you know alum hotbed.
1: Yeah, and uh, it's an easy drive from here. I mean, at least until you get to the uh, traffic. You, you get to traffic. But, <laughs> I I mean, you're sitting there but waiting across not,
0: Key Bridge for an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean it should be. It should be a good atmosphere for that tournament, just because you know it's a smaller building. You know, the crowd. You know, maybe the overall attendance isn't even as high as it was in Charleston, but it won't be half-empty building.
0: It'll but, be packed.
1: Yeah. And you
0: you were up there this summer, so you yeah, got you got a sneak peek of the place. And you said that you said the neighborhood's kind of lacking in terms of things to do.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's kind of interesting. You go there, the arena is right in the middle of an abandoned hospital campus. Okay. And so you can kind of see how it's going to be developed and how they're going to convert some things into housing and shopping and things, but it's it's a long ways from becoming that kind of vibrant neighborhood, but you know, <clears throat> people who have been around DC for a while remember that that's what the Chinatown area where the Wizards play now was like at one point. And I think that's kind of the idea is kind of do that on a smaller scale with a smaller building. In a different part of town, and you know, that, so that could end up being pretty good. But you know, I've kind of been asking around. Uh, well, so where am I going to stay? Where should I stay? At? Where should I eat and stuff? If I'm going to cover go to this tournament <laughs> in March, Ar-
0: Arlington yeah. is what you're hearing, probably. Yeah, or
1: um, yeah, over the National Harbor area, though. We'll, we'll have to talk about the budget for that.
0: One. <laughs> <laughs> Wizards, by the way, the worst nickname of all professional sports. I'm sorry, there's nothing magical about DC. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the town. There's just nothing. I, I, I wouldn't say magic doesn't jump into my mind when yeah. I think of yeah. uh, when I think of DC. Uh, but it's a fun town. Shane, hey, anything you want to add regarding basketball? Regarding what you're working on this week? Uh, this goes live on Wednesday. So anything you got coming later in the week?
1: Uh, I'll have some uh, ODAC power rankings. I know there are at least a few people who look look for those yes. this week. So that that'll be uh, out there when this goes live, probably. So uh, you can keep an eye out for those. Any hints? Who you got at number one? Um. I might be accused of being called a homer, so uh, Fair.
0: there's a hint. Fair. All right. Fair enough. Shane, thanks for joining us as always, man, and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. It's good to see you as always, and we're going to bring in Cody uh, because you know what? It's time to talk some high school football, and we're going into week three, and let's see what Cody's got to say about that. Well, that was Shane Metlin talking little Bridgewater College football, the the Eagles 1-0 O. Uh, still haven't started the conference slate. They're up at Stevenson on Saturday. Cody, we 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 and now here as I say, Cody, it's important to bring it to mention the fact that I now bring in Cody Elliott to the Rocktown Sports Pod. And a, gee, I guess we're going to talk about high school football. Uh, Cody, you're, you're number two this week. Uh, don't take that as an insult. We started with Shane. I thought I mixed things up. Usually, you're the first guy. So don't be angry. All right.
2: I, I'm not. I'm okay, not, sorry. Okay. I, I thought you were gonna gonna tell me more. No, I, no, no, I have nothing. I have nothing no, more no to tell. you. There.
0: I have nothing more to tell you, and that's it. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, Cody. We'll see you guys next week on the Rocktown Sports Pod. I'm kidding, Cody. I, uh, I mean, you know, we can, we can, you know, we can play the the the, the hyperbole card all we want. Uh, I used to pronounce it hyperbole because I like to pronounce things the way they're spelled. <laughs> that's why I also call it a stomach, not a stomach. But anyway, I digress. But I mean, I, I you know. I had to put Turner Ashby football in the Super or excuse me the Shen Shen Valley Seven for the first time since we've had it, and I had to put him in this week. I put him in at number seven on my ballot. I'm not sure if anyone else put him in or where you put him in, but I mean I, I'm not crazy, am I? I mean two and oh, I mean you can. You know, maybe if the second win was over, like, uh, William Monroe Part 2, you know, like another William Monroe S, with all due respect to William Monroe, they're a very struggling football program. But to go out there and to put up those kind of points, and all we talked about was a defense last week, and, you know, they only given up, well, they didn't give up any points, and just the only points William Monroe got was off of safety. But finally it looked like that offense at TA was rolling and you know, against a, a perennial playoff team like Western Elmira, we made the trip over from Crozet, and it's really tough for me not to sit here and say, hey, East Rock, you're 0-1, i, I got to lose you off my pole, even though it was it, the loss was to our number one, Spotswood, and, and, and I think T.A. needed to go in there. I'm not crazy, am I?
2: No, I think, um, you know, I, I had him in my uh, top seven as well this week. I had him sitting in number seven. Um, and I think, you know, what, hap- what happens with that is, you know, it's like you said, East Rock's sitting there at 0-1. Um, Rockbridge suffers a loss last week against uh, William Fleming. And then, you know, you've got a lot of good football teams there. I feel like the top 8 to 10 right there are all some really good football teams, and especially that top 8. Now I think East Rock and TA are really kind of battling it out for that number 8, that number 7 spot. Um, but, you know, when you look at the resumes, East Rock has only, got, only played one game so far, um, you know, a twenty to twelve loss to Spotswood, and then you look at TA's just two wins. Um, it was just really impressive showing last so week. The first half, the defense was flying all over the place. Um, I texted you in the first half and and was talking about how impressed I was with the defense.
0: Yes, he did text and, me by the way. It wasn't just him and Greg who had the little text conversations. <laughs> We've gone over this before in the podcast. I was involved. I was considered a text friend Friday night because of that game. Thank you, Turner Ashby, for bringing Cody and I closer together.
2: <laughs> and then um, second half though. Um, it was the offense that just took over. I mean, they scored on all four possessions, um, and it wasn't just, you know, a couple, play, or a couple yards here and there. It was they were moving the ball five, six, seven, eight yards at a time. Um, they were passing it. They were running it. They were just really having all all sorts of success there. Um, just a really all-around performance for them. Um, I thought the defense got wore down a little late, and that's really the only reason Western scored as much as they did. Um, just a dominating win for them, and I think, you know, they, they've earned that right to – to put themselves in the conversation at least here in the early part of the season.
0: I guess coming in, if we were talking T A offense, I mean, I mean, we were. I I think we're surprised by the defense. I think that's safe to say this team that gave up like forty two point whatever points a game for two seasons mm-hmm. uh, to come in and to play the way they did against William Monroe, whether it's William Monroe or whether it's you know Clark County. If you hold an opponent to two points, and once again, that's not on the defense; it was a safety. That's still a good thing, uh, but. I think the question mark maybe was this offense, uh, C.J. Haskins playing quarterback for the first time. You know, goodness gracious, what are we going to get? He could sling the ball.
2: Yeah, I think that's the thing. Is we knew T.A. was capable of scoring points before, you know, not necessarily 48 a game or anything. Or they're 36 like they're averaging now. But I think the difference now is that we're seeing a balanced offense. Last year with Tyler Quick quarterback, it was very run heavy. Um, they tried to do a lot, get in space with the run, you know, do a lot of read option. Um, now they've got Grant Swinehart back there, which we all know is a workhorse back. But they've got a lot of other weapons. Um, Jared Peake, the baseball player who's now playing, he's been a huge um, asset there in the slot in, you know, in terms of carrying him on jet sweeps, getting out and catching passes. Um, they've got Nico Val, the big wide receiver, 6'3", out on the outside that, that Haskins can kind of toss it up to. He called him his safety valve the other day in a, in a story I did. Um, and then you've got uh, Jalen Quintanilla, I'm trying to say that right, um, a sophomore who who's real small, but he's got a lot of speed, and he's he showed off some... Um, some ability early as well, and then several others. So they've got a lot of different weapons. CJ's able to sling it. He, he you know, he sits back there. He's only about five seven five eight, um, but he can sling it, man. And he he's got the job done so far. And he he certainly looked the part of a of a good Valley District quarterback last week.
0: And I think that's a, that 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 can't be overstated the importance of CJ being able to find open receivers and be able to hit those open receivers, even using his safety valve, uh, just because with with. It, it, you know, and I think Chris Fraser talked about this when he was here at the pod uh, over the summer talking about, you know, the workhorse of Swineheart and, you know, trying to teach him to, you know, to the, the, the take, you know, run out of bounds and, and not, you know, overextend yourself and not put this whole team on your shoulders. Uh, And it looks like he doesn't have. It looks like Chris did his job as coach by making sure that Grant Swinehart doesn't have to put this whole team on his shoulders.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. I mean, you look at Swinehart's carries; these first two games, they haven't went above twenty. He's been in the teens both games, which is, you know, really good, especially around here. You usually see the workhorse running back. I mean, you look at that first game when it was spots with Ethan Barnhart had thirty-two carries. Um, a lot of times teams tend to do that with guys, and that and that's expected. But Swinehart hasn't had to do that so far early. Um, like I said, some of those other names I mentioned are, are kind of taking some of those carries away, and they're they're performing well with it. They're not just taking them and, and not getting yards. So that's going well. The passing game is going great. I, I was going to say about the thing with CJ that I find interesting is even though he's not necessarily you know a six three six four quarterback, it, a lot of those passes last week against Western were you know right in the middle of coverage. Um, but they were they were slant routes, they were short routes like that, and I think what helps them is kind of his baseball, baseball background a little bit. Um, Brandon Wanstack told me after the game, he said that he slings it in there, it comes in with some heat, and I think that kind of helps them kind of do what they're trying to do. They're not, you know, airing it out deep down the sideline every time. They're kind of just chipping away, and CJ's arm and his kind of ability works perfectly with that.
0: Put those Jesse Knight quotes in my veins, please. I mean, the quotes he gave you after that win Friday night were, were, were borderline spectacular. I mean, first of all, you know, take no prisoners, and looks like we didn't do that, or we did that tonight, we didn't take any tonight. And then just the things about, you know, subtle little not, I don't want to say jabs, because, you know, you know, but just subtle little, hey, how about us now kind of things where, you know, here's a senior, here's a guy who's hurt, you know, been playing football for, I think, all four years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, he's a he's a, a non-hot dog position player. He's a gritty lineman on, on both sides of the ball. And here he is saying, you know, hey, man, you remember, you know, you guys were wondering what we were going to do. Some, you know, <laughs> hey, you, I mean, it looks like the Black Plague is out there in full force, finally. That's the student section yeah, there at yeah. TA Football. Uh, it just looks like, you know, put those Jesse Knight quotes in my veins. That's just fantastic. Yeah,
2: I don't think there's any bad feelings between... Jesse Knight and Grant Swinehart, C.J. Haskins, and, and their student body, or their school, or anything by wow, that means, I think they're obviously enjoying the support they now have. Um, I think it's just one of those things that their hard work that they have put in is finally paying off. And those are the guys who have stuck through with this program. Um, you know, they've got the new guys, and they've got guys who have come back out after taking years off. But you know, those guys like Swinehart, Haskins, Knight, some of those other guys, they've stuck with this program through its downfall and, and through some of the struggles. And now that they're they're part of the turnaround. I think that's probably the most, you know, I i don't know what the word I'm looking for, but what feels the best about this is is the fact that they're now part of this and that, you know, they've seen what it was like to be at the bottom and now they're hof- hopefully bringing them back to the top.
0: It looks like the, these football players in the student section are are, are coming closer together, much like... Turner Ashby helped you and I become closer together by you texting me <laughs> a scoring update and, and your thoughts on a Friday night. Hey, I know they're in a bye, but I really think it's time we start talking a little bit more about LeRae football.
2: Yeah, I think LeRae showed last week that they're the real deal. Um, You know, we were laughing in the office after the game about Dalton Griffith's <laughs> stat line. It completes four passes, I think 202 yards. 212. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 50, 60 yards of completion. Um. The thing about LeRae is they've got a lot of weapons there in the backfield. They've always had a good defense. They're always going to be disciplined. They've been they've had that same kind of DNA for the past several years. And I think Dalton Griffith is is a good enough playmaker at that quarterback spot that you know he's he's obviously going to run it most of the time and, and fit in with that offense. But he's got the ability with the arm to occasionally hit them for the big play, which he showed in that game against Wilson. Um, that's a good Wilson team, and they just went in there and and just handled them. Um, didn't really have any issues. Uh, I've talked to some people who were at that game, and they said LeRae's offense just could not be stopped. So, you know, they're they're slowly kind of establishing themselves as as a team that's going to give Clark County, Strasburg, East Rock everything they want for that Bull Run District title this year.
0: I, I kind of have to like how that with the addition of three uh, Shenando- former Shenandoah District teams, and, you know, Page has improved as well, uh, and East Rock's East Rock, and Loray is, you know, getting talked about i just kind of like how that's kind of turned the bull run district into quite possibly one of the best low you know low low a uh districts in the state
2: yeah i mean we last year you know everybody talked about east rock and riverheads and all those teams in the shenandoah we kind of considered the shenandoah to be one of the better districts around you know that level and now, all of a sudden, you know, when you look at this year, especially when you when you throw in LeRae, Clark County, Stralsburg, East Rock, and like you said, even Page County there, which I think is probably in that number five spot, um, you know, those are going to be some dogfights this year once they get in district play, and I think it's going to make some, for some really good games. And, you know, even across other sports with volleyball and some of those other ones, I mean, so far, the bull run has looked really, really strong, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out.
0: And, and what it's kind of done to the Shenandoah, now hang on, don't, 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 you know don't put this audio clip out in the Twitters and tell me what an idiot I am, but let me let me explain first. it's kind of turned the Shenandoah district into riverheads and everybody else with that said, I got to eat some crow here because when we saw Fort Defiance's schedule, I openly wondered on this podcast how the heck that team was going to get any better by kind of not really scheduling a lot of the former valley district teams when they moved down to the Shenandoah, well, not down. They moved over to the Shenandoah. But you know, goodness gracious, I mean i you we talked about this last week. no moral victories for this team. you told me they're they're beyond that point they're looking to improve, but to go down to Liberty Bedford and lose by one point twenty one to twenty that team is definitely on the rise.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it, when you look at that that district right now, you know, it, it obviously is Riverheads and everyone else. But, you know, Fort c- clearly, you know, they haven't played Riverheads in the past year, so we don't really know any anything about how those two team, teams match up. But they clearly have put themselves in that conversation. Um, you know, that that is a heck of a performance for them. Um, one I certainly didn't ex- didn't expect, Liberty Bedford is a good team that, and a team that gave Spotswood, you know, beat Spotswood yeah, last year in the, in the playoffs. So, yeah. Um, to go down there on the road and do that, uh, to open up the year, um, you know, that's just really impressive. Everybody knew that Fort defense was was the real deal. Um, what we didn't know was how that offense would fare and, and if they could kind of step up and support them on the other side. That was kind of the issue at times last year. It's been the issue throughout the preseason. Um, they went down there, they put up 20 points, a missed extra point was the difference. Uh, you got to think, you know, they're not going to face Liberty Bedford every week. You got to think once they get into that Shenandoah district slate, they're going to have as good of a chance as anybody.
0: Is this Vultures Part 2? You were you were there during the vulture, know, de-
2: you know. That's those are some um, those are some big words. That's that's a, that's, a, that's a lofty some lofty expectations to put on those guys already.
0: That that is some big that is a big word, isn't it? When you mentioned vulture <laughs> defense and fort defiance, uh, I mean, let's go back to the Valley District, uh, Spotswood. I mean, we talked about it. You know, uh, when Rob Smith, you know, when when Ryan High comes back a quarterback for the Blazers, and he's got Rob Smith out there. With Coupled with that, that, that just ground and pound in-your-face running game, those two being able to open up the field were going to result in great things, and I guess you would call 75 points. Obviously, with the William Monroe caveat, it came against William Monroe... Uh, 75 points is still 75 points, and he threw what six touchdown passes before? If four in the first half, five in the first half, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, just a, a dominant performance. About what we expected in terms of what they would do to William Monroe, but anytime you put up 75 points, it's gonna stand out a little bit. I don't think anybody expected that. Um, I just think you know, right now they're rolling. They're a confident group, and that that goes a long ways. Um, where last year they kind of, I think a lot of their success kind of took them by surprise a little bit. Um, when they won the district championship at Harrisonburg and when they when they finished the season 9-1 and one and all of that, um, it seemed like they didn't really know how to enjoy that, how to embrace that. Um, they kind of have come into this year with a whole new attitude, to go over there at East Rock without their quarterback and just grind out a win against a good team that went to the state semifinals a year ago and then to follow that up with a dominating win like that and, and have his first game back. I mean, it just speaks to where that football team is. And until I see something different, I mean, it's hard to see anybody in this area getting close to them right now.
0: Oh, to be 17 years old again, like Ryan High. I mean, you know, goodness (laughs) gracious, I twist an ankle and I'm, you know, I'm babying the thing (laughs) for a month and a half. And this guy goes out there and gets his... uh, Gets a his appendix taken out and he, in a game that you get hit in, you know. And a week later, he's out there slinging the ball around and not worried about getting hit. Oh, to be seventeen again and not not have a care in the world. Uh, Riverheads, you got Riverheads. Spotswood is at number one in your week three power rankings. Uh, you got Riverheads at number two. No changes there. Or actually, Riverheads went up one as did Clark County, uh, who was off the on the bye. Yeah, my and,
2: number two team from last week had a had a big loss. So. Yeah,
0: and, and that's a that was a rough loss for Rockbridge. Uh, Came down to, I believe, a two point, a missed two co- two point conversion. Uh, you know, William Fleming. We saw what William Fleming did to Harrisonburg. So I mean, I, I can't imagine. You know, I don't think a win or a loss either way by Rockbridge County would have. I would have chalked up as surprising. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, no, I think
2: I don't think they're you know in a bad position moving forward. Um, you know, at this time of year, a win or a loss can move you a long way. On oh, my power rankings, that's really the only reason they dropped as far as they did. Um, But, you know, I still think – and I've got to see what – you know, I've got to see more out of TA. Obviously, I'm really high on them moving them up to number seven. I've got to see what they do in the upcoming weeks. But for now, I still think Rockbridge sits at that number two spot in the Valley District and as the team with the most likely chance to kind of – give spots with a push if anybody does but that's still saying a lot
0: uh at number 15 you got Harrisonburg a team that's really showing its youth I mean it's there there's talent there at at the big slots obviously quarterback with Quentin Smiley uh but it just seems like everyone else needs to catch up
2: yeah it's it's a young team and and you know Chris Thurman talked a lot about that the first week it was the defense that really struggled giving up 52 points this week seven turnovers um he he said it in his quote he said it, you know if there's not a Little League team that's going to win a game with seven turnovers, and that's the truth. Um, you can't win that game. We've talked about that with Broadway as well. Um, turnovers are a killer, and you know until they get that cleaned up, they just they have a lot of issues on both sides of the ball right now that, that they need to get figured out.
0: Nice segue into Broadway, by the way. The Gobblers under first-year coach Danny Grog, 0-2, another rough loss Friday. They went up the skyline in Front Royal and lost 32-7. to They got Central at Central next. Uh, I mean, the r- very real possibility of starting the season 0-3 is kind of staring Broadway in the face right now.
2: Yeah, I thought Skyline was an opportunity for the, for them to go up and get a win and kind of get back on track a little bit. Um, we thought Central might have been in a down year, but then Central comes out and, and defeats Stonewall 55-8, to so they clearly are kind of getting back in track on their own. Um, I think the one thing that people kind of forget with Broadway is every we got so caught up talking about the – the energy and the and the new enthusiasm around the program under you know Danny Grog. and now hype videos
0: will do that to you. They though. will,
2: they will, and all of a sudden though no, we forgot that this team is still really young. Um, I talked about that a little bit last week, but I just think they they still got a lot of growing up to do. They've got you know a lot of young players and really important skill positions um outside of their receivers you know they don't have a lot of experience on that offense and you know their quarterback's a sophomore so you can have as good of receivers as you want but if you can't get the ball to them it's not going to do it so much um defensively they struggled a little bit last week but they they showed progress in the first week so i think dude, they're just going to have some inconsistency right now and until they you know this is going to be a tough challenge this week and and you know, it's just going to take some time for Danny Garland to get that thing turned around.
0: I, I don't want to give a, a, an even a lukewarm take here, uh, but I, I just find it interesting. And, I, and I'm a little, as a, as a football fan, I'm excited to see where it goes to see that Broadway and Harrisonburg are kind of stuck in the tail end of the cycle. Yes. Uh, of high school sports they're both young they're both struggling meanwhile you got Spotswood and and the Rock Bridges and you know you, you know LeRae and and you name your other teams uh outside the valley that are kind of in their their top end of their, their their cycles so I'm kind of excited to see how these two teams Broadway and Harrisburg in the next year two years maybe three years down the line are matching up because they're 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 you know their clocks are meeting here. I yeah, mean, they're, yeah, they're, it's they're both at six thirty p.m. right now with a seven seven o'clock tip.
2: Absolutely, you're going to see a lot of over the next few years flipping almost of where you know teams sit currently in the rankings, where they are, are kind of going to move up. I think you know Broadway and Harrisburg, like you said, are two young teams that will slowly start to get better. And, um, you know, and I'm sure Spotswood and those teams have plenty of talent coming up as well. But, you know, they, they're going to lose 20 seniors. They're, and, you know, TA has a, a really big senior class. You're going to see some of these teams that are having a lot of success now suddenly in that young cycle next year. And then I think, you know, next season when we're looking ahead, not to get rid of this season already, but looking ahead to next year, you know, you're going to have almost a really even league across the district. Once Spotswood gets rid of all those seniors, then you're going to have a lot of teams that – are kind of relying on juniors and sophomores.
0: Yeah, I think it's gonna, and I'm not getting rid of this season either. But I mean, it's what we do. We're supposed to look up. <laughs> we're supposed to look back. We're supposed to look ahead and then talk about the present. Uh, you know, I think if you look ahead, I think the Valley District is is going to be a, a lot of parity. There's not going to be one. You know, maybe on that swing back up, maybe Spotswood and and or, or excuse me, maybe Broadway and or Harrisonburg kind of you know jets up just a little bit, mm. maybe a, a, you know a leg ahead. But I think you're going to see a lot of teams. All on the the level with maybe those two teams above the rest, uh, but you know I that's. That's why I love high school football, man. I mean, you get any really high school sports in general, I just like watching these cycles take place. Well, we saw
2: it with Valley District baseball this past year yeah. I mean, with TA and Broadway and how young they were and now we're looking ahead to this year in baseball, and we're thinking this is going to be a really fun race with Broadway and TA and possibly even Spotswood getting into the talk. Just all really young teams that are starting to kind of grow up.
0: Yeah, and I know it's tough if you're a coach to to deal with it. I mean, you know, one of my favorite calls in in basketball is the uh is like that Half a second gap before the the ref calls a uh, a charge or a block. <laughs> I love it. I love it, and I know basketball coaches can't stand it drives driving's crazy <laughs> and, and with that said i mean i know that you know it's not easy for for guys like danny grog and chris durman to be stuck in the bottom end of the cycle uh chris durman has been in it before at one of his various you know spots stops throughout the state it's, this is nothing new to him mm-hmm. but i'm just curious how danny in his first head coaching position kind of responds and and how he how he's dealing with going through it because i mean it's it's part of the it's part of the sport and, and it is
2: it is and i but if Honestly, if I'm in his situation, I think it's one you'd rather come into rather than. um, I mean, you obviously would rather have a a better team, but at the same time, if you're a first year head coach and you come in with youth, you can establish that culture. You have guys that are going to return next year that know what he wants to do. They're going to know the playbook. They're going to know everything that that program now expects. Where, you know, if you've got a bunch of seniors who have done it a certain way for, you know, so long, however long Brad Lutz was there. You know, if he's coming in and trying to change things, that might not go over as well. So I think you know he's almost in a in a good situation moving forward, having such a young team to to start off with, and you know he he knows in his own mind it's it's only up from here.
0: Yeah, you're like a sculptor. I mean, you you here 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 Danny, here's this lump of clay. You know, you mold this bad boy, and I think that's what he's got an opportunity to do when you got a young team, as opposed to if he comes in, he's got. And, he, yeah, like you said, he's, he's in a Spotswood situation. He's got 20 standout seniors, and he's got nowhere to go but down after that. Right. You know, here right. he's got, you know, mold it, man. Do it in your image. Stonewall Jackson, uh, man, uh, 39 straight losses. Uh, they host William Campbell this week. I'm, I, I I will say it. I'm, I'm giving you a preview of the webcast now. They're going to be my upset pick for the rest of the year until <laughs> they, they they pick a win. I don't care about William Campbell's history. I don't care about nothing. I got Stonewall Jackson winning that game.
2: Yeah, you're probably going to be one of the only ones <laughs> confident enough to pick them right now. Um, I do like what they're doing, and I, I like their head coach a lot. I think that he he's doing good things over there. You know, it's just been a rough couple of years. Um, they didn't answer your call last week,
0: unfortunately. No, they didn't. They didn't. Um,
2: but we'll we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I do think that once once they get into Bull Run District play, there is a team there that, that they have a chance to, to get a win against, and, and – I think they have a, a very, very realistic shot at that.
0: I think there's two. I think they got a shot at Rappahannock versus Rappahannock and Madison.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a good Actually, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't even think about Madison, but yeah. Um, two chances there I mean we we've been so used to them kind of taking their lumps in the Shenandoah over the past few years against Buffalo Gap and Wilson and all those teams were were really good teams back then so now it'll be interesting to see how they do in the bull run
0: some other uh, little notes and tidbits uh Waynesboro still has not scored a point as we enter week three they've been outscored 83 to nothing their latest a 42 to nothing loss two stewards draft do they still play for the ball
2: they do. Okay. Yeah, so this was the third straight year George Traff has won it. Has
0: won the ball. Uh, Buffalo Gap, a nice bounce back against a struggling program of Perry McClure after uh, losing by 42 points uh, to Clark County. In week one, they come back, win 48 nothing against Perry McClure. Uh, Stanton, there we go. <laughs> there, You know, the, the artist formerly known as Robert E. Lee, uh, Stanton High School makes its uh, storm debut, and they pick up a win 20-7 to at Covington. It looked like they had a rally there in the second, or the breakaway in the second half, and then they welcome uh, Lynchburg Christian Academy, one of the few VHSL private schools. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, that, that that looks like a program that's got some work to do, but one that... You know, has a large talent pool to pull from. Very Harrisonburg-esque.
2: Yeah, I mean, Jake Phillips in his first year there coaching, and he's he's got a really good quarterback and Will Dodd. Um, It kind of reminds me a lot of the Harrisburg situation where he's got a good quarterback and a lot of really young guys. Um, Just looking at their stats this past week, um, a lot of new names, a lot of guys you haven't heard of before. So uh, it's going to be tough for them that Shenandoah this year because I think there's some good teams in that league, but. You know uh Will Dodd's a really good quarterback, and you know he carried them to that win last week. He scored three touchdowns to kind of rally them for the win, so he's going to be the guy they rely on pretty much all season
0: and of course we, it would we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the big football game Friday night, and that's where uh, our uh, number two team, Riverheads, uh, heads up to Elton for the second straight year uh to take on uh, an East Rockingham team that beat uh the gladiators for the first time in program history last season but i mean this is a different this is a different riverheads team this is a different east rock team
2: yeah i mean th- this is completely different i mean even though both teams lost a lot uh east rock obviously lost more um but we've talked about a lot about east rock trying to set their own identity unfortunately for them it's not going to come easy it, it look they could be looking at Owen two after this week um you know, Riverheads has shown no signs of missing any steps from last year. Um, they've got Zach Smiley back. Brayson Fulton has come out and played this year, the, the JMU baseball committee. He's decided to play football this year. He's been a huge key for them. The defense has been strong. Um, They're coming off a big win last week, so you know, East Rock—it's a tough test. But you know, Donnie Coleman has said that he embraces that and he, he, you know, enjoys that aspect of it. He thinks it's going to make his team better in the long run. So we'll see how they respond. I mean, they—they were beat up a little bit after that Spots game. It was a really physical game. They had a lot of guys kind of limping off the field and coming off the field slowly after that game. So it'll be interesting to see how healthy they got in that one week. Um, Usually, you don't think of early bye weeks being needed for that but but i think after that spotswood game with the way that game was played that was exactly what east rock needed so it'll be interesting to see how they come out this week against another team that they that you know is going to be really really physical
0: i'll ask you again on the webcast and i'll ask you one first here before we let you go cody any surprises this week
2: oh uh, any surprises i think um i think ta I, mean, I don't know if you want to call it a surprise but i think ta could, is possibly looking at a three and start now um you know, and I and I think Harrisonburg is looking at a possibly getting their first win of the week, so that might be that might be a good surprise there.
0: Turner Ashby is at Monticello, and Harrisonburg is at Charlottesville, which has been struggling as well. But I do think, in terms of talent, I think Harrisburg may have the edge there. Hey, if you guys aren't online and you're not reading what Cody's putting out. Well, I mean, basically every day and some of the online-only stuff with the blogs. You need to start getting online and checking out. You need to follow them on Twitter. That's at Cody underscore DNR Sports. Cody, Elliot. As always, man. It's a pleasure talking to you, and I really can't wait for more texts from you on Friday nights.
2: <laughs> yep, you got it. <laughs>